Jordan this week as we discuss running your own small business and the difference between running your own business and multi-level marketing schemes. So it's time to lock the bathroom door, pour a glass of wine, and take a deep breath. Welcome to the 80s Mom Podcast. Hi, I'm Ray. I'm Cecily. And... Let's go ahead and get into this week's topic. What do you say? Okay. Alrighty. MLMs and small businesses. What is the difference? Which is kind of hard when, you know, poor Cecily doesn't run a small business. So she gets to be your eyes and ears, so to speak, this week, I think. What do you think, Cecily? Yeah, Sound basically. good? Yeah. Sometimes it's just how it is. I'm your eyes and ears when we talk about things that I haven't gone through. And Cecily's my eyes and ears when we talk about things she doesn't go through. And I kind of think this is important, especially with the holidays coming up. Like, everybody's trying to make some extra money to get Christmas presents. And I would hate for somebody to fall into a multi-level marketing scheme, otherwise known as an MLM. They really sound like way too much work. Well, <laughs> I mean, not that a small business isn't a huge amount of work, but yeah. I find that if your business follows your passions, while it is a lot of work, and I'm not going to lie, I've been working all week preparing our store for what I'm hoping will be a decent Black Friday sale because we're going to be selling everything 25% off in our store, but only for cryptocurrency. Ooh. Our Black Friday sales, only for crypto. So, it should be fun. It's definitely different, but I think everybody should dip into cryptocurrency, and it's a 25% off, I think, is a good reason to do it. Yep. And it's not hard, but we're not going to talk about that today. Maybe I'll post some links in the show notes, though, for some podcasts that go over Cryptocurrency 101, which would be better than anything. I would be able to tell you about it because I'm also newer to crypto, but I found these podcasts to be helpful, and I'm in a Telegram group, and they're super helpful. I've sent and received cryptocurrency, and it's demystified the entire thing, so it's it's as easy as pulling out your debit card, really, it is. But anyway, multi-level marketing schemes. So we're talking companies like LalaRue, which we've mentioned in the last couple of podcasts. We're talking about like Norwex. There are some children's books, MLMs. Anything that you associate with going to a party and they're showing you product, that's a multi-level marketing scheme. So <laughs> probably anything sold by someone you used to know in high school who contacts you out of the blue just to see how you're doing. Yeah. I get invitations to, like, makeup parties, and I show up so my friends can get stuff, but it's like, I'm not interested in this. I don't want to spend money on whatever this is. I don't have money to spend on whatever this is. If I want a book, I go to Barnes & Noble, or I buy it on Amazon. I don't need to use a small business. Well... In this case, these are not small businesses. There's a there's a difference, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. But I don't need to use these companies 
Like, my mom never let me buy Scholastic books. Not through the catalog. I was able to attend the book fair, and sometimes I might be able to buy one or two things, but I was never able to buy out of the things they sent home trying to get us to buy stuff for the school or whatever in the world it was. We had fundraisers for choir and band. We had fundraisers for our entire school. (laughs) And I... I don't understand why, but our school had fundraisers for the entire school. Like, we had to sit in assemblies about these fundraisers in elementary school. And that's kind of the same thing. Slightly different, but pretty much the same thing as multi-level marketing. Which I'm just going to refer to as MLM because it doesn't trip my tongue up half as much. So, with an MLM... You're buying basically at full price from a company to sell it at an increased rate to somebody else. You have a pressure to sell more to keep making the same amount of money. And if you don't progress fast enough, they will just drop you. Like I had a friend who did Jamberry Nails and her team lead decided she didn't like her. And suddenly she got no sales and she made no money. And no matter how hard she tried... She just couldn't do anything, and she eventually ended up dropping them. Wow. Yeah, and this is a person who does ghostwriting and editing for a living, so she actually runs a small business, and she did run her Jamberry as much like a small business as you can, but it just failed, because that's what these things do. They fail for most people. I'm not saying that there aren't people who work for, like, Fannie Mae and drive a pink Cadillac, a la, oh, Fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. But that's the exception and not the rule. You have pressure to be social and to host parties, whether in person or virtual, even if that's not your driving force behind what makes you a good business person if you want to be a business person. Now, we're all stay-at-home moms. We are busy. I don't necessarily want you to put my kid to bed, drive to somebody's house, and show off product. (laughs) I'm an extrovert and that's not my thing. I remember my mom selling Avon and it still absolutely baffles me that she did that because she hardly wears any makeup and she's as shy as I am. I I have no idea how that worked. I just remember going out around with her doing that. Probably not very well. Especially since you have to buy your stock. So you're like, in, you yeah. know, and they'll sell packages. Like, you can get this package for $500 and you can make like 3000 or whatever. I've never signed up for an MLM. I am aware of yeah. them to a certain extent. I am by no means the be-all, end-all of knowledge on these things. But I know enough to have this conversation with you this week. But it's like, if you don't sell that product, then you suddenly have... you spent, and you feel like you have to keep going and going and going, even though all you're doing is spending money and having product that you can't move, which we're going to get into later when we talk about the sunken cost fallacy, which is important on both ends of this. Something my husband said, because I was talking to him about what we were going to be talking about tonight, because he's home, he's on vacation. Yay! I mean, not only is he on vacation, but he would be on forced vacation even if he wasn't on vacation because his friend and co-worker tested positive for COVID. 
Oh. Well, that's one way to get a vacation. Yeah. Luckily, he is on vacation. He asked me what we should do. Because they have um, COVID time, and he didn't know if he should just take his vacation later or use it. And I said, you you should just go ahead and use your vacation. You were going to have this time off anyway. Use your COVID time the two days next week that you can't go to work because he can't go back until a week from tomorrow. And obviously he's fine because if he was going to be sick, he would be sick already. But he's home this week, which is fun. I don't get to see him as much as I would like. And if you can hear the small child in the background, I apologize. She is in her bedroom where she's supposed to be. (laughs) But I can hear her and I know my podcast mic. And that means you can likely hear her. Because my I don't hear anything. Oh, you don't? I can't tell because she sounds loud to me and I have headphones on. But what he was telling me, and I actually had written this down to some degree as well, is your knowledge of your product is diminished just by the fact that you're doing an MLM. You will never be able to engage with your customers about your product on the same level as you would if you were running your own business because you just don't know. Yeah, it's not your stuff. It's not your stuff. You only know what they tell you. And you don't know if what they're telling you is right. You just know what they tell you. I have a friend who sells Norwex, and they're like all-natural cleaning products. At least that's what they say they are, and I'm sure they probably are. And I'm not saying it's a bad product. She uses them in her house, which is part of the reason why she kind of sort of sells them. Because she likes them. But she doesn't have motivation behind that or really passion into that. She just enjoys the product. And I have a lot of mom friends who do that. They end up selling stuff that they like just because they like it. And sometimes if you sell it, you get free stuff. Or your friends can... That's at least a halfway decent reason to do it. It's a halfway decent reason, but I still wouldn't waste my money. I mean, or your friends try to convince you to become part of their team because everybody can make money that way. Except for you don't really. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got a friend, I've got a um, family member who sells um, essential oil through an MLM, and she's really into it, and that's cool. I don't care. I mean, my mother-in-law buys from her, and I think that's awesome, but I wouldn't I just don't have any interest in buying. I think it's Thrive. It could it could be three different companies, and I don't know which one it is for sure. You also, and I know this is especially true for, like, LaLaRue, you have pressure to pay for conferences just to learn about your product, so you have to spend $500 or more, I bet it's more, to go for a three-day conference just to listen to people talk about this stuff and try to convince you that you're just not doing well enough and you need to do better. And I think that's kind of crappy. I don't want I don't want to pay somebody to tell me that I'm shit. Yeah. And I would think it would be way more than $100 because I bet you pay for your own hotel room. And your flight. I said 500 to be fair. Yeah. But I bet it's oh, I bet okay. it's way higher than even that. Yeah. That was just the biggest number I could think of. Because like I said, I have never done this. I have heard things. I have seen some YouTube documentaries on like LaLaRue. And for their high sellers, LaLaRue tries to get them to get gastric bypass surgery. So that they lose weight. 
just to be a seller? Yeah. They're high sellers. They try to convince them to do that. Because it's fashionable. And I'm just like, that sickens me. Yeah, that's really messed up. And that's why I only get Lala Rupert free. I might like the product, but I'm not paying for them to treat people like crap. I mean, somebody already bought it. I would rather wear it than it go in a landfill. So. And there are a lot of people getting rid of it because they can't sell it. Yeah. My therapy office where they give us stuff at Christmas, or they, I'm not at that office anymore, but it was um, free therapy through United Way, and they would have stuff for people because it was a trauma center. So there was like a lot of people going through domestic abuse and getting out of relationships, and they didn't have money, and they couldn't buy things. So we were able to pick out a few things for Christmas every year. And last year they had bins upon bins upon bins of Lala Rue. From somebody who just couldn't move it and just donated to them to get wow. rid of it. So this is not the kind of business. If you want to get into business, this is not what I would recommend. This is not even a good starting point. Period. Now, if for some reason you do these and you're like, well, Ray, I do these and I'm successful. Well, good for you. But that's an exception, not the rule. I mean, I think most people need to stay as far away from these things as possible. I think they are dangerous and they are toxic. And you can sink far more money into them than you will ever get out of them. Yes. And I know I'm mentioning some companies by name, but I have nothing against these companies in particular, except for I really disagree with forcing your people to, or trying to force slash encourage your people to get gastric bypass. I think that's crap. We love all bodies, but you need to lose weight. Is yes. not okay. With Think me. how much more successful you'd be. Of course, we only have like 11 people listening, so I'm not super concerned. <laughs> Even if I got sued, the guy, I have nothing of value. I'm sorry. I just, I'm poor. We live on $60,000 a year. I don't have anything. We drive two cars that are between 10 and 20 years old. <laughs> I just, I don't have anything. I got a whole lot of debt. You can have that. <laughs> so, with your own business, you create your product or you collect items that fit within your niche or what you would like to do, which is a lot of what I do. Now, I don't source my products for my store, generally speaking. Now, we sell drinking horns, and obviously the drinking horns come from somewhere. Ours come from India, which is where almost everybody's come from. I know a lot of sellers in the area, and we all buy our horns from the same dude. It's a sketchy uh, transaction that happens in the Walmart parking lot. And I'm always afraid that the cops are going to think we're doing a drug deal. Because <laughs> it's a lot of money being transferred and then to large boxes. That's funny. Yep. Meet me at the back of the Walmart parking lot. Okay. <laughs> like once a year, we do this. And my, my joke has always been, if they ever, like try to break us for drug dealing, I'm just going to be like, officer, 
please feel free to open that box. Just don't inhale too hard. Because these horns aren't finished. And the smell is like nothing you will ever experience in your life. They come home and immediately... Oh god, it's nasty. It's like burning hair and rotting brains and it's just... It's it's really gross. And once you smell it, you never want to go anywhere near it again. So once they get home, they go immediately into like somewhere between a 10 and 25% bleach solution. Which foams because of the amount of organic matter still in these horns. Even though they are <laughs> cleaned and polished. Bullshit! Um, yeah. So we, we, <laughs> we bleach them, we sanitize them in the washing machine, and then we seal them and polish them ourselves. So, insofar as we collect anything for our business, we do collect that. But we put in a lot of the sweat equity into those. And I'm really proud of them. I think they're great. We guarantee all of our products. If anybody ever has an issue with any of our products during normal wear and tear, we will fix it or replace it for free. Because I believe in customer service. It's important to me. It's part of the reason I would never join an MLM because I would have no control over customer service for an MLM. What exactly could I do? Have to pay full price in order to replace something? I mean, these horns I've already bought, I've already paid for, they're going to be finished anyway. Having to replace a horn for me is not going to break my bank. And I know, like, replacing a tube of lipstick or something may not break anybody else's either, but I think that there are better ways to do this. When you create your own business, you also have control over picking your niche. And let me pull a definition of niche up for you. So, a niche is like, in marketing, it's a specific area of marketing that has its own customers and products. Like, we sell drinking horns, we sell medieval reenactment accessories. I mean, the bands that I weave, that I post on Parlor and MeWe, can be used for a number of things. I can make yoga straps out of them, dog collars, dog leashes, belts. I mean, you can make anything out of them you want. Typically, in the medieval reenactment community, they're used for belts and trim. So they fall under my niche. And they're hand-woven, which can be important to somebody who's trying to complete their outfit or their garb, which is the same thing. Because I can work with somebody on how wide they want it and how long they want it and what colors they want it in. And we can make a very one-of-a-kind thing. And that's one reason why people would come to you instead of like an online an online mass-produced store or something. Yeah, and we offer customizations on almost everything we do. Because, like I said, customer service is the number one thing for me. I am our customer service manager. In other words, I manage all of our customers. Like right now, I'm managing a customer through an old business that we had called Philosopher's Homestead on Facebook um, for making a trapper hat. And I am discussing it with him, and I'll probably run the actual transaction through our website just so everything is secure. But it's just... I like working with people. I am an extrovert. 
I like talking to people about what they want to do. Something we didn't expect is a lot of our business comes from the wedding seasons and the wedding market because people want to buy drinking horns as favors for their groomsmen or bridesmaids. That is really cool. It's super cool. I never expected that. We started making drinking horns as, you know, party favor isn't the right word. As something that you give to people who came to your wedding to take home. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, my aunt brought us shot glasses. My cousin had shot glasses. Jason's cousin had champagne glasses. People have all kinds of different stuff. But um, people come to us for drinking horns. And I think that is amazing. And super interesting. Because really cool. I never thought that that would be who we sold most to. And I'd say in the past six years, more than half of our transactions have been to people in the wedding service. We've um, also sold to the military for Highlander games, which was really cool and interesting. And it was super oh, interesting cool. having to ship the stuff over to an overseas uh, military address was slightly harrowing. <laughs> but it was it was cool. I really enjoyed that. And when you run your small business like we do, you have complete control over your website and your marketing and your audience, which is one, amazing, and two, can be very daunting because you are responsible <laughs> for your website and your marketing to your audience. Because if you don't have your website or you don't keep it up to date and you don't do marketing, you have no audience. Or at least you have very little audience. Like right now, we don't have a whole lot of traffic. One, because of COVID. And two, because we haven't been doing marketing. But we haven't been doing marketing, which we were planning on stepping up this year, because of COVID. So it's kind of messed our year up. This was supposed to be our first year to do at-person events for the SCA doing like week-long camping events. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Cecily is my second person in my booth for doing those events because I can't do this by myself. <laughs> it's too stressful to be stuck. Bathroom breaks are a thing. Bathroom breaks are a thing and I don't want to be stuck in a booth by myself. Having somebody to talk to helps pass time. Also, something I've been talking to other people about a lot, and I run a small business group on MeWe that's separate from all of our 80s Mom podcast stuff. It's specific to the survival podcast that I listen to. It's specific to the people who also listen to that. So if you also listen to that podcast and have a small business, you should look us up. Or if you have a small business, you should listen to that podcast and then look us up. (laughs) Because we're there to help each other. But because we are a branch of that podcast, I'm very specific about who we let join. Because we all support each other in a specific way, which has to do with the philosophy of that podcast, which to some degree extends to this podcast, which I also see as kind of an offshoot. We are a child podcast of that podcast, of which there are many. It has created so many other podcasts. But with the small business community, you have the ability 
to turn your passions into what we call side hustles, which are not your major job. Our major job as 80s moms is stay-at-home mommy. Our job is raising the next generation and doing a good job so that our kids become productive, happy adults. That is my main job. My secondary job is I run a small business called Viking and Weaver, and my tertiary job is I am one half of a podcasting duo who does 80s mom podcast. You're actually more like like four-fifths of the duo, <laughs> which which sounds like very complicated college math, but it works. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but thank you anyway. <laughs> and everything in my life kind of follows along that, although I am strict about getting the podcast recorded, edited, and out to you every single week. No matter what is going on with the momming, no matter what is going on with the business. I can find four to six hours in my week to do this. And turning passions into side hustles can bring in some money, or it can bring in a lot of money. It kind of depends on how much effort you are willing to put into it. Like every evening this week, I have been putting effort into updating our website, which needed it really badly. And putting in new products, which needed to go in our store. And setting up for our Black Friday through Cyber Monday sale, which I'm really excited about. I want to see how well this works. And if it works really well, I'm going to be super happy. Pros of running your own business. You know the market and who you are catering to. Because typically, if you're into something and you want to start a business around it, you already have a basic knowledge of what you want to get into. And how to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's why we make side hustles out of things that are our passion. Because if you don't know how to do it, then... It's harder to build a business out of it. They say it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. And I don't know that you can start a business from something that you have absolutely no expertise on. Like my friend Chris who I does... I not think so. I don't think so either. My friend Chris who does Secure Coop has a knowledge of creating electronical components to begin with. It's not like he has a huge knowledge of how to build a door opener for a chicken coop, but he knows what components to use and he has some programming knowledge and he's learned a lot more, but he started with some form of knowledge about this is something my mother-in-law needs and I can do that. Now it's taken him much longer than he ever thought it was going to need, but he was able to do it, you know? And if you already know, like, what you would like to do, what you're passionate about, what you already have experience in doing, then it's easier to do market research about what your competitors are doing. And there are classes on, like, Skillshare on how to do certain market research and how to build an ad so that people will buy it and how to write a listing for like Etsy, which we're also on, although to a much lesser degree because the fees are insane on Etsy. And 
I wouldn't recommend Etsy. I don't recommend like Squarespace or Wix either because they are 10 times more expensive than web hosting on your own and just buying a domain. So yeah, my website, I paid $60 for the theme, but I was paying $300 to Squarespace a year just to host my website and my domain and for their themes, which to be honest, were crap. I thought Squarespace was that thing where you can take debit cards on your phone. That's Square. Oh, okay. <laughs> more wine. We need more wine. Oh, man. No, that's Square. Okay. So, and as your own business owner, you can make your own schedule, which is great because you can work your schedule around your life and around your primary business, which in our cases is being a stay-at-home mom. Another bonus is you have no boss or coworkers that you have to answer to. There are no stupid Zoom meetings where you spend an hour and you waste your time. Like, there's basically no wasted time. Yeah. I mean, I, I do waste time. It does happen. I wasted four hours last week on weaving something where the pattern absolutely wouldn't work. Mm. I mean, I have now put that pattern in my binder as do not attempt again. This pattern is trash. <laughs> Just so I know. Because I was like, I printed this pattern before and it's not in my binder. And I'm not sure why it's not in my binder. Um... I now know why it wasn't in my binder. Because it was trash. Oh. God. That was a mess. And then I've been working with another one this week that's not been cooperating. But that's because there's some kind there was some kind of problem in the pattern. Even though the pattern showed correctly on the printout the turn sequence because I'm turning cards backwards and forwards in order to make patterns. It's called a um, warp face pattern. Um, <clears throat> it was not working for no, it just wasn't working. And I looked at the pattern and I plugged it back into my program that I use to create patterns and the pattern is wrong. And I was like, I don't know why this oh, pattern is wrong when the pattern looks right. So I ended up printing off another copy of it. And, um, just adjusting it for the amount of cards that I have on here. But that's something you do when you create your own product. You have to learn how to adapt and overcome challenges. And we've had all kinds of challenges over the years. And a messed up warped pattern is the least of my worries, to be honest, because for the most part right now, like I'm running tests to see how long it takes me to do a repeat or a foot or a yard because how long it takes me tells me um, how much to charge. Cause like for right now I charge $25 an hour in weaving and that's wholesale. So oh. you, yeah. So you take that number and you multiply it by two for a sell price. And that's why, like, the 
55 inches I posted on 80s Mom, or I don't think I posted on 80s Mom. I think I just posted it on Viking and Weaver. It's $60 for 55 inches of weaving. Now, I think the weaving is beautiful. It's a really nice, like, orange leaf pattern on a brown background, and it kind of looks like the leaves are falling, and I really like it. It's one of my favorite patterns. Wow. But it, ta- it took me two hours to do that. So, or it took me a little over an hour, I guess, to do it. But it takes me two hours to warp my loom. So you're still talking 55 inches. That's three to four hours of work. And it's a lot of work. And you're also, like, I've had, I've seen online people talk about what you're paying for isn't just the item that I can make. What you're paying for is my expertise in making that item. You're paying for all of the hours of messed up crap I've made in the last six years so I could make that one beautiful. You know? Yeah. So, does it seem expensive? Yeah, but I'm a small business. I'm not Walmart. I'm not a five-year-old Chinese person sewing up your Nike shoes. Or stitching your shirt or your jacket that you buy for 20 bucks and breaks in a week or a month. I go through so many Walmart special shoes in a year. It is stupid. It's absolutely stupid. And our items come guaranteed for life unless you take a lighter or a knife to them. I am happy to guarantee them that they won't break down or wear out in in normal usage. Because I take great care in what I do, and I stand behind my product. Walmart doesn't stand behind the shoes I buy for 20 bucks. And it's also kind of like when you hire an electrician or a plumber, you're also paying for all of their training and all of the equipment that they've bought. Yeah. The loom I use cost me $400. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, she's beautiful. She's made out of cherry wood. I really, really love her. But she's an expensive piece of equipment, which is why she has a name. All good pieces of equipment, all good tools deserve names. She's named Athena because she is a good tool. She's named after the goddess of weaving, the Greek Greek or Roman goddess of weaving. I misremember. I always get it confused. But she's a good loom, and she does what I ask her to do. And if I miswarp something, it's not my loom's fault. It's the gray matter stuck between my ears. It's a problem that in IT they call um, issue exists between keyboard and chair. Yes. And that was part of the problem. Or it could be that the pattern is crap which apparently the pattern I was using was not working. Now it's possible that I have copied it down wrong multiple times, but I have it working in a program. It should work. It doesn't work. I don't know why. I had a friend once send me a shawl they wanted me to knit. And it's a rather large shawl. And it involved short rows. Now I know you don't particularly knit. I don't think. I know you crochet. No, I do not knit. Okay, so short rows are where you 
knit part of a row and then you go back and you do that back and forth. It's how you make a heel on a sock and it's a pain in the ass. And she goes, would you, would you make this? I'll buy the materials and I'll pay you for it. And I was like, well, I will do that, but it will cost you a thousand dollars before material. If you have me make you that. Yeah. And she goes, I didn't think it would be that much. I said, you're asking for a month of my time. Shawls are not fast. She goes, this pattern looks so easy. Like, if you think it looks easy, because it's not, I will happily teach you how to knit for $50 a lesson. And by the time you're done learning how to knit, you might be able to make it. And that's fine. But $1,000 and I'm not knitting it and I'm not going to knit it out of crack. So you're talking about something that would have cost like 1500 bucks, maybe. The hat I'm working with the person on Philosopher's Homestead, I priced him $120. It's a hat. It is a knitted hat. For $120. It's an expensive wow. hat. Money, wow. All the wow. <laughs> it's an expensive hat. Can you go to Walmart and buy a hat for $5? Sure, but it's not going to be made out of high-quality wool. I mean, the yarn I bought for this hat, I actually got from a local yarn store that's going out of business, which is very sad. I love this local yarn store. They're going out of business. And I talked to him about it because normally I make it out of 100% wool. But this yarn apparently is not 100% wool. So I went, but it's the right color, So, which they don't carry in Patrons anymore, and it pisses me off. Um, but I got it for $5 a skein, which isn't horrible. But it's 50% New Zealand Merino, which is a type of wool. It's 25% nylon, which you know what nylon is. It's 10% Angora, which is a type of wool. It's 10% alpaca, and it's 5% silk. It's nice yarn. And he said, I was hoping to have something from the time period. And I said, I understand that. He goes, what's the price difference look like? And I said, well, generally, (laughs) this yarn would be much more expensive than the stuff I would normally use. It ended up being slightly cheaper because the yarn store was going out of was going out of business. So I'm not very fond of the fact it has nylon in it, but I don't think at 25% it's going to affect the hat. Oh, no. It should still keep your head warm even when it's wet. It is mostly wool. It's over 70% wool, I think. I mean, they're different types of wool, obviously. Let's see if I can add 50, 60. It's 70% wool and 5% silk with the nylon. Wow. It's nice yarn. It's soft, too. That's why I didn't realize it had nylon in it. It felt like wool. I didn't realize until I was checking out. And then I'm like... I think it will be okay. I bought so much yarn at that yarn store. I bought $136 worth of yarn. Wow. <laughs> I have a huge bag of yarn at my feet. That was a lot of yarn, surprisingly enough, for high quality yarn. And it's high quality yarn, too. What else did I get? I got. What is this? This is a blue. It's um, Egyptian cotton. It's an Egyptian cotton. I'm pulling up stuff out of this bag. I got some really nice 100% wool. 
It's moth-proof wool. Ooh, how nice. Hold on. What makes it moth-proof? I don't know. I don't know what makes it moth-proof. It's treated with something, I would guess. Hmm. But I do not know. It's 100% wool. It feels like wool. I got some Titus, which is by Ba Ramu. It is, oh my god, it's so soft. It's 70% British wool and 30% British alpaca. I can't tell you how much this stuff costs because I don't care. But it's like, it's nice yarn. I got Wonderland yarn. I love Wonderland. Ooh, it's a messenger hat kit. Sweet. I can make a messenger hat out of this. I love messenger hats. Oh, the pattern's included on the reverse. Sweet. Now I know what I'm going to do with this. It's green. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I really love Wonderland Yule. Wool. It's, uh, this green is called Mock Turtle. I'll post pictures of all this yarn because I'm obviously, I have an addiction problem and it's to buying yarn. yarn. This is 100% yeah. superwash merino and it is so soft. I have played with Wonderland before. I made my aunt a knitted stuffed turtle out of Wonderland sock yarn. It was the wow. nicest yarn I have ever worked for, worked with. That turtle was a pain in the ass. It was 50 million small pieces. But I loved every minute of it. What else did I get? It just looks like I got some more Egyptian cotton. But it's a, it's a large bag of yarn that you can probably hear me throwing around. But I was able to get him, like, super nice, high-quality yarn for, like, $5 a skate. That's amazing. Yeah. It breaks my heart that Notorious is going out of business. But I just got a whole lot of really good yarn. Some of it is going to my Aunt Turtle for uh, Christmas, actually. Because much like you, she can't afford really nice yarn, and I thought it would be nice to get her some yarn. That's why I'm I got some. to use up my yarn. Right. I get you yarn, but we have other issues going on with your house right now. Yes. I'm not giving you more stuff right now. <laughs> Let's reduce the load of stuff you have, and then we will deal with getting you yarn. Because you know I am never against giving you good quality yarn. I usually have quite a bit of it floating around my house. Because I have a yarn addiction. I have alpaca yarn that I'm going to use for something someday. Did I give it to you? Nope. Oh. Another friend did that I haven't seen for years. And so I I keep thinking, you know, there should be something suitably grand for me to use it for. And I just haven't come up with anything yet. You should use it for something that will make you happy and not keep it for perfect projects. Perfect projects never come. So we've talked about the pros of small business. So we have talked about the pros of running your business. <laughs> Here are the cons. You are responsible for knowing your market. Nobody can tell you who you market to. You have to decide who you market to, which means you have to do the research. You make your own schedule. You have to do everything. You have to do everything. So if you'll notice, this list is the same as the pro list because think about it. So you can make your own schedule as a pro. You have to make your schedule as a con. You have to find the time to do the work. You have to schedule time to do the work. And you actually have to do the work. Products don't make themselves. 
even if you're just using Amazon affiliate links to sell stuff on a blog, you have to write the blog posts. You have to find the time to do it. You may not have a boss or coworkers, but you are the boss and you are the janitor, which is something I actually read. I have a book on um, reading tarot as a business. Yes, there's actually a book specifically for that. Wow. Because believe it or not, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was a paid tarot reader. It was something that I did for a short period of time. I know at least a couple of those. Yeah, I don't do it anymore, but I used to. I have a friend telling me I need to buy another tarot set and I need to do a reading for her. And I'm thinking about it. Not likely, but I'm thinking about it. And another thing is it takes a lot of work. This is this is something that takes a lot of work. I do a lot of work on our business almost weekly. Right now, I'm more in a crunch time than I am normally. One, because Black Friday is this Friday. And two, I'm doing a podcast interview about my business on Living Free in Tennessee this Friday. I don't know when she's posting it. I know it's not going to be this Friday because she told me. But I have that coming up and I have to be prepared and I want to be prepared for when that podcast comes out for my business being ready to take anything that comes because my store was kind of empty and I don't want my store to be empty. That sounds exhausting. It can be really exhausting. I've been missing out on some baking stuff at my in-laws because I've been staying home in the morning to work on the house and cycle laundry because I got to go out of town next week to help grandma. So I've been doing that and trying to keep up on housework and get business work done, which is a lot of website work. It's some making stuff work. Luckily, I have a whole lot of small things already made. But, like, I am constantly warping and weaving on Athena right now. I'm churning out bands about as fast as I can. I could do it faster, but Jason's on vacation. It's Thanksgiving weekend. I've got a whole lot of crap going on. So I'm just doing the best that I can right now. And my big thing this week was to get the website updated and the store to have stuff in it, which it does now. And you're always welcome to come check out the Viking and Weaver page on MeWe. I don't post a whole... I'll post, like, what I'm working on on my loom on 80s Mom. But I do not, in general, post things that I'm currently selling on 80s Mom because... I, it skews me out a little bit. I don't feel like it's something I should be doing. That doesn't mean I won't mention my business. I'll probably include my business in the show notes. But our MeWe page is for 80s moms. Our MeWe page is to connect with you who listen to the podcast. It is not necessarily for me to get more audience for my business because you guys are not the audience for my business. You might be, but most likely you're not. So I keep them separated. But you can easily find it. Because sometimes I cross-link between the two. But it's not something I do very often. Because I don't want to injure our listeners' goodwill by pushing my business on them. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It's not right. Yeah. This is something separate from that. Which is... And this is tied into me being a stay-at-home mom. My business is something completely separate. That ties into my hobbies, which we've talked about before, because medieval reenactment is my hobby. It's what I do for me time. So I have, like, two facets of my life. I have medieval reenactment, and I have being a mom. 
So I have my business that goes with medieval reenactment and the podcast that goes with being a mom. And more or less keep those separate. Although today we're talking about small businesses because I think it's important, especially with Christmas crunch time coming up and everybody trying to find a few extra dollars. To which I say declutter your house and sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or eBay. Yeah, I need to do some of that. Yeah. So, what happens if, like, you're in a MLM and you have dumped, like, $3,000 and you feel like you can't possibly get out of it until you have improved, right? What I think is going on is you've gone into the sunk cost fallacy, which is the idea that you, as a person or somebody as a company or organization, you're likely to continue what you've been doing because you've already invested time and money and effort. Even when continuing, it's not the best thing to do. And sinking more money into it is causing you more problems than just walking away. And learning how to walk away is important. And I've had a business before Viking and Weaver where I sold knitted goods called Arachnia, which is um, another mythological uh, I don't know if you would count her as a god, but um, Arachnia is a person Athena turned into a spider because she wove so well. And so I called my business Arachnia Knitting. And it didn't work for me because hand-knitted goods are really hard to sell because everybody on Etsy will undersell. They'll sell these beautiful, huge baby blankets for five bucks. <laughs> They're not even recouping the cost of yarn at that point. Wow. You can't make a living trying to fight against that. So I don't. I gave up. That's why when the guy said I'd like a Pascanal Trapper hat, which is what I'm making because I guess I'm the only person who makes them, I'm not sure. It's just a weird thing I occasionally get messages about. I told him $120. Partially because I don't want to do it. It's my, uh, I don't think you'll want to pay this price, but if you'll pay this price, I'll knit you a hat price. Because it's going to take me a day and a half, at least, to make this hat. In the middle of everything I have going on right now. Is that like eight hours a day? It takes me about eight to ten hours to do it. Wow. And that cost includes shipping because we offer free shipping on all of our items. So I'm making probably $110 off of it, which is nothing in labor. People at McDonald's get paid better labor than I'm getting paid for this hat. Yeah. But he was very interested, and I'm like, that's fine. I gave you a price, you're happy to pay it, I'm happy to make it. And I may put them on our store. And sell them occasionally. I'll probably put them for higher than 120 But if people are interested, I'm I'm happy to fill a demand if there is one. That's not a huge demand. I think the la- it's not the last one um, I've had somebody ask me about because I get questions at least once a year about them. But the last one I actually made and sold, Xandria was five months old, maybe. Actually, no, I think she was still in the first, uh, the fourth trimester. So she was about three months old last time I made and sold one. 
Wow. Because I don't want to. It takes a lot of time. People don't want to pay what I ask them for. So I don't do it. Because as an artisan, I have discovered that it is worth, I am worth my labor, basically. $25 an hour is what I charge for my labor now. It's obviously not what I'm charging for the hat, but I didn't think he would take it. I didn't think he even wanted it at the price I gave him, so. But that's basically what I charge now. And my husband, for what he does on his side, charges $50 a shop hour. You know? you That makes sense. Yeah. Oh. He does a lot of machinist work. He does hand engraving. These are things that take a lot of time and a lot of knowledge and a lot of practice to do. And he has earned the right to charge that. And I have earned the right with all of the work that I do to charge what I charge. Even if people don't always agree with me on it, which is fine. If you don't agree and you think I charge too much, that's fine. That's just because you're not my audience. You're not my market for that business. You're my market for 80s mom. And my market for 80s mom is completely different. Because we cater to lower income moms with a single income who need to be reminded that you've got this and you can do this and it's completely different than who I sell to in my other business. So it's way, way different. And I know that. It just, it is. It's what it is. So how do you run a small business as a stay-at-home mom? And it's not easy. You have to find the time. You have to set it aside. You have to learn to put family time in your calendar, which people, some people think is kind of belittling. Oh, I'm not important enough. You actually have to schedule time and you have to be like, no, you are so important to me that I will schedule time for you. Because if I will schedule time for the podcast and I will schedule time for my business and I schedule time for my children, I'm going to schedule time for my husband. It's important. That's a good way to put it. So if you're going to run a business as a stay-at-home mom, you have to make sure you make time for everything in your life. If it means you have to schedule in your calendar, you know, your kids' day trips and when you're having lunch and what you're doing and you have to, like, schedule it to whatever micromanage level that you personally need to. And for me, it's not very micromanaged because it doesn't really need to be. My days kind of flow. And I also, Xander goes to bed at 6.30. Jason goes to bed at 8. I don't go to bed at 1 till 1. So I have a whole lot of time between them going to bed and me going to bed where I can get stuff done, which is why we record the podcast at 9 p.m. Everybody's in bed. Or, well, supposed to be in bed. And... We have the time, and I set it aside every week. I set aside time on Monday to edit the podcast every week and to get it up by midnight. Without you, it basically wouldn't happen. I try to stay on top of it. It's This is important to me because as a mom, especially as a conservative mom, I feel like we don't have a voice. I feel like 
everybody kind of drowns us out and we're not important and we're not acknowledged at all. Oh, you're a stay-at-home mom. You live on one income. It must be nice. (laughs) And I think it's important for people to know that, one, (laughs) it's not always nice. I am not rich. Most stay-at-home moms I know are not rich. Dropping $136 on yarn was probably not the best thing I could do, but I have a commission coming in, and I took that money into account when I got this. Which is thinking like a business person. Well, yeah, and that was the deal. If I couldn't find money, if I couldn't find yarn for the hat, I was only allowed to spend fifty dollars. If I could find yarn for the hat, I was allowed to spend a hundred and fifty dollars. I found yarn for the hat because then we basically paid twenty dollars for the yarn because I still have to include shipping. In, in all of my cost analysis for that. Yeah. So websites and social media. Here's what I would tell you about running a business. Because I've run two pages on Facebook. I've run Philosopher's Homestead. And I have run Viking and Weaver. It is not, I repeat, it is not worth your time to run a Facebook page. You will put time and effort and time, and so much effort into it. And unless you pay them, Facebook will only show 10% of your audience your posts, maybe. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, and it's true. It is very true. I got into running Philosopher's Homestead before all of this happened, and everything died when this started to happen. We had almost 500 people following us. Which isn't a lot, considering. But for me, it's a lot. We have 11 people who listen to this podcast, I think. But it's important enough to me to get it out every week for 11 people. And it's important to me to get it out for me. So I wouldn't waste my time. I pay $2 a month for my pages on MeWe. Each, I run two pages on MeWe. I run the Viking and Weaver page, and I run 80s Mom, so I pay $4 a month on MeWe. Everybody always sees everything I post. They do not throttle me at all. How many people are on MeWe? A lot. (laughs) I know multiple, what I would consider normal people, who have jumped off of Facebook and onto MeWe in the last two weeks. And I thought that was kind of weird. You might. I don't know. I'm not friends with you. I know that. Then I probably don't because you're the only person I know on it. At least as far as I know. I can look. I have no idea. Because I used to have Facebook set as my homepage, but I've had MeWe set as my homepage for a while. Somebody sent me a contact request. I've been getting a lot of those. I don't know who that is. I'll have to look later. You're not. Oh, yes, you are. You're on here. You've never posted anything. You've been on here since July of 2019. Oh, yeah. I chatted with you when you first joined, apparently. Because it showed me that. So, here's the thing about me. Well, I guarantee you're why I do. Probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm on MeWe, and I'm pretty active. I post at least five times a week. 
And between the two pages and my personal timeline, I probably post closer to 20 times a week because I post all the stuff that posts on my pages. I also share to my main timeline so that people who are friends with me can follow me. And I get, I don't get a lot of engagement, but I get some engagement and it's building an audience. And if you have a Facebook page and you already have an audience, rebuilding an audience is not fun, but it's doable. And here's the thing. I think Facebook is going the way of MySpace. I mean, it may seem silly. It may seem like, well, that will never happen. But we said that about MySpace, too. I got into MySpace when it was starting to go out. So I have no idea what it used to be like. I think I got into MySpace in like 06. I can't remember. I'd have to attempt to find my account and find whatever email I was using. And I've got no idea. It's been a while. So I do not invest in what I consider mainstream social media. I invest for my businesses, the podcast and my small business, in MeWe and Parlor and Odyssey, which is why you don't hear me talk about 80s Mom Podcast on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. Although we do have a YouTube account, I just don't post to it. Because I pretty much decided that that's not worth it. I think Odyssey is really cool. You should join Odyssey. I know a lot of creators who are jumping to Odyssey. It's not at YouTube's level yet, but it's getting there. And they've been around since like 2016. So none of these are new. I've been on MeWe for five years. I mean, I just joined Parlor this year. And I've been on Gab for like two years. But I don't actually do anything on Gab. So it's not worth trying to find me on there. I just don't like it. And out of the entire world of social media, there's only so much I can do. And having said that, even if you have social media, you need to have your own website. Because there's always the potential that somebody on social media can ban you. Yeah. It's unlikely on platforms like MeWe or Parler that that would happen. But it's possible. And you need to get your audience on your website, and you need to have a newsletter, which I actually need to send a newsletter this week, but it's on my list. I just haven't gotten to it yet. And hopefully soon the 80s Mom Podcast website will actually have some blog posts. I have some ideas. The thing is, we're coming up on the Christmas season. I'm hoping to try to gear up my business. And because I'm trying to do that, and I have Grandma's post-op to help with, I haven't had a chance to write blog posts. I want to write a detailed one with pictures on doing your budget. I've been wanting to do that for two months now. I just haven't been able to find the time to do it. Because first I was working census and now I've got all of this going on. So I think running your own website is important. It's not hard. It is easy. Oh. There's a really great site called getahostnow.com and this guy is amazing. His name is Joshua Sloan, and he is absolutely amazing to work with. I shoot him an email, and it seems, I'm sure it's not instantaneous, but it seems instantaneous he gets back to me. He is always willing to help me. He keeps my website updated. I pay him yearly. It's wonderful. And he is also a small business. So with my small business, I try to support other small businesses. And you can either buy your domain through him. I get my domain through GoDaddy because I talk to him about it. 
And he said it's always smarter to have your website server and your domain server held by two different companies in case something happens to one or the other. Yeah. I would have thought it would have it would be better to have them both do the same. He said no. And since saying no technically costs him money, I would say he's probably yeah, being honest. Yeah. I also know him personally. So when I say he is a great guy, I mean it. He's like my he's the person over me when I do citizens assisting citizens. He's the one who contacts me about what we need. We have phone conferences and all of this stuff to help with hurricane relief. It's one of my volunteer things that I do. Because I do a lot of volunteer work. Volunteer work is one of my things. Which is also why Cecily is a second in my business. So I can go do voice, heraldry, and water bearing at events and still manage to sell some stuff. Because I can't sit at a booth all day. I really enjoy volunteering and that's what would make, you know, events worth it to me. And then Cecily also gets to go enjoy bardic circles or look around or watch people fight in shiny armor, you know. She hasn't had the experience yeah. yet, so she can't say much because COVID. <laughs> so in starting a small business, a lot of people say you need a business plan, you need a business plan, you need a business plan. I have tried to sit down multiple times and write a business plan. It is all Greek to me. I can't seem to write one. We are not what I would consider like a super successful business, but we do what I would consider is pretty well. This year has been horrendous, but usually we do pretty well. It adds at least a few hundred dollars to the money we have a year. Sometimes it adds a couple thousand. So we're very, we are very much a very small business, but we are a very small niche business. Medieval reenactment is not mainstream. What we do is very focused. So I don't ever expect to make loads of money doing it. So let's say you have an idea and you're scared to get started. So our friend Allie at one point was writing up workbooks, like math workbooks um, about superheroes. Do you remember that? I don't. You actually. don't remember she talked about it like she was doing it with Mikey. This is like five years ago or something. It was a while ago. And like simple math word problems using like Marvel superheroes. And I was like, oh, you could make money doing that. If you wrote those, you could sell them on Etsy. And God love her. I love her very, very much. But... She always has a list of reasons why she can't do things. And I think it's because she's scared to do them. I mean, I'm also... The mediocrity you know than the risk that you don't. Yeah. And I mean, I have a fear of success, which is something I'm constantly working against. Which is why I've never published a novel, even though I've written several. So I have that going on, which is another business that I have. Which is something else entirely, and it's... A mess. Viking and Weaver is way more put together than my writing is. Um, but, like, better the mediocrity you know than the risk you don't. But you can make money doing stuff like that. At very little cost. That's something that all it costs you is your time because you make it as a virtual file. You sell it for five bucks. And you have an endless supply of those. 
you're basically paying you're basically paying nothing to print money so don't be afraid just try if it doesn't work it doesn't work you know there are a couple of books i really really recommend um i'm gonna have links to both of them i have read both of them one is will it fly which is how to determine if a business idea you have will work and it kind of goes into um building a business and how to do like thought exercises to try to determine if your business will be successful and i use it more or less right i don't rely on it completely and the other one is by gary vanderchuk called thank you economy which i actually recommend buying the audiobook for but it it helped me shape how i run viking and weaver i handwrite thank you notes to all of our customers. I include special stuff around the holidays in our packages. That's really cool. It is really cool. And it's because of his book. And I really need to go back and re-listen to his book. But I really enjoyed it. It helped me create the business that I run. And it has helped us a lot with like getting positive reviews because being personable with your audience is important. Yes. So is being honest and being upfront and being authentic. I'm authentic with you guys. You know as much about me pretty much as Cecily does. <laughs> <laughs> because I just, I don't lie about myself. I'm the, pretty much the same way with my business. I go under a different name, but I go under my medieval reenactment name. And that's also who I am. It's just a different facet of who I am. I'm still the same person. I still do all the same things. It's just slightly different because when you live between 500 and 900 AD as a Saxon, it's not the same as living in 2020 as an American. Yeah. It's kind of different. So for you guys, I'm Ray. And for my business, I'm Taliesin. Which is how all of my SEA friends know me. I saw my friend Eva, who I have to search my brain for what her actual name is. And I know it, but I'm not going to say it because I'm not going to call her out. That's not fair. Um, I met her at the yarn store she was in. I'm like, oh, Eva. And she goes, Tally. Because that's who we are to each other. She is Eva and I am Tally. Everybody in my barony calls me Tally. It's just who I am. It's very common in that world. We all have two names because we have the one we use in our everyday life and then we have the one we use in the group. And we all basically know each other by the name we use in the group. And it's who we are. But I think being authentic is super important. And I think if you're scared, you should give it a try. Don't go spend loads of money you don't have to create things. I make and sell needle books out of felt, out of felt I had around the house. Because I'm a craft person and I've got tons of crafts in the house. And I was like, oh, I should make these to sell. And I'm like, ooh, I have tons of felt. I'm just going to make these. I made myself one. Did you? From scrap felt. I love them. I think they're awesome. I've got two. I have one that holds my ironproof pins 
So their pins, they have little heads on them. They look like buttons and you can run an iron over them and it doesn't melt the plastic. I mean, it will eventually, but it takes a really long time to wear them down to that point. So that one is red. And then I have a blue and purple one. I keep a whole lot of needles in. I also have a whole lot of needles in my sewing bag and my sewing box, but I have one specifically for needles. It's just, I have a it, whole lot of needles and random pieces of furniture. Don't do that, you guys. That can be dangerous. I know. <laughs> you can end up picking them up in your feet. Although Cecily and her family go barefoot so much, I don't think that that would happen. I don't recommend you do it. Oh, no, no. Not not like on the floor. I mean, like like my chair arms. Because you never put your feet on the chair arms? Well, actually, no, I don't. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> I do. I do that a lot. But I also have leather furniture. I mean, my chair in the basement, my recliner is made out of cloth, and I am also guilty of doing that. But that's also why I now I have a, I have a needle minder. It's this little disc of wood, and it's wood burned with a unicorn on it. It's actually laser burned with a unicorn on it. And it has a magnet on the back, and then there's a little magnet. So you put it to your shirt, and you put the tiny magnet inside your shirt so it sticks on your shirt and you can just stick your needle on it so that I don't go around with Ooh. needles in my shirt and misplace them all the time which has happened to our Baroness before when they were on a road trip and they had to stop and buy needles and then she found the needle was in her shirt mm -hmm. it's common when you do a lot of hand sewing to lose needles in your shirt which is why needle minders are awesome and I plan on adding them to our store at some point, but I have not gotten there yet. I have a whole lot of other things I'm doing right now. Some things have to wait. <laughs> yes. And I swear this is not an hour-long commercial for my show. For my, for my store. <laughs> it's just, I can only tell you guys what I know from experience. There's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. And I can only tell you what I know from experience. And this is my experience. And I don't expect you to go to my website. And I don't expect you to buy anything. If you do, I think it's awesome. And I will, if you leave me a note that this is how you found our website and bought stuff, I will happily split the proceeds with uh, Cecily. So, Cecily, final yes. thoughts. Do you have any final thoughts today? Well, just that I've been intending to start a crafting business for some time, and I don't know, maybe I feel a little more motivated to do that now. I think that's awesome. I think my final thoughts are, this is a lot of work. It's especially a lot of work as a stay-at-home mom, when being a stay-at-home mom is our top priority. And for me, it is a top priority. But I think it can be very fulfilling to do, even when we are stressed out. And it helps bring in a little bit of extra cash to sock away for a rainy day or to help pay off debt, which is always important. And with that, and with that, this is the 80s Mom Podcast. You can find us on social media, on MeWe as a page, and a group, and on Parlor. We are at 80 Mom Podcast on all of those platforms. 
You can find us on Odyssey, also 80SMOM Podcast. We have Pinterest boards full of crafting and kids crafts and homeschooling stuff and just a whole bunch of boards on a whole bunch of stuff, including drink recipes. And I got to tell you, that candy corn cocktail is so good it's dangerous. I recommend you try it. You can, I will do that. You should. I'm going to make some tomorrow. Uh, you can also find our website, 80smompodcast.com, or email us at show at 80smompodcast.com. We would love to hear from you if you have any topic suggestions or questions you would like to ask us and have us answer on the podcast. Please feel free to email us at any time, and we will get back to you. And with that, please remember, you've got this, and have a great week. Bye-bye.